0: It is a pleasure to get to sort of share this final Sunday with you all, and having been asked to come up here and share a message with you here this morning. Again, I want to reiterate, you know, how much you know Sharon and I have just felt loved over the last few weeks. You know, no more so than last Sunday. You know, and getting to share and hear all of your thoughts. You know, it was six years ago that we came to this church for the first time, actually. It's funny. As we were packing up our home, uh, Sharon found a a letter, a little note that Jason had sent us in July after we'd been coming for a few weeks, and uh, just encouraging us and things there. And you know, I looked at the and I thought it's funny. I didn't realize it was actually around June when we had started coming here six years ago. In fact, it was three and a half years ago that I gave my first message up here. You know, so after two and a half years of Getting to absorb and continue to grow and learn. Getting to have the opportunity to come up and share some th- things that God's put on my heart with you all, too. And I'm excited to get to be able to do that again here today. But, you know, it's, it is heavy heart that I come here. You know, I mean, knowing that we're going to be leaving, I had to try to figure out what to say. Right? I mean, what do you say before you leave the people you love? What do you do before you leave them to the world, or so you think, right? You know, maybe if you're a parent, you might think, reflect on maybe a time as your children have gone off to college or, you know, they've moved out of the house and, you know, what do you say to them, right, before they go out on their own, right, before you leave them, right? Do you try to tell them everything you know, hoping that they're going to at least remember a few of the things, passing on all that wisdom that, you, of course, you have and they don't, Right? Or do you try to warn them about every single thing that's coming at them, right? All the perils that stand in front of them, all the worries and things that you want to hopefully that maybe just by saying at least one of those things they'll get to avoid, right? And not to suffer and feel those pains, right? Or do you just keep it light, right? Focus on some good stories and support and uh, just not get into it. I still haven't decided yet what I'm going to do here this morning. Right. There's lots of options there. It you is. know, it is. It's been three and a half years since I first got to share a message. And I, you know, I thought, well, the easy thing to do is just, well, let's just give that one again. I still got the uh, Word document. You know, I used to come up with a whole bunch of papers and you know, share, share the things I thought about and wrote them out there. And Well, I mean, it was three and a half years ago, so I'm pretty sure we probably don't remember, right? Anybody remember what I talked about that first time? Jesus loves me, so thank you, Janet. Right? Jesus loves me. That was exactly it, right? That was the first thing I wanted to share when I had the opportunity to stand in part of a worship service and share a message was that Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? That childhood song that we've, you know, all heard and get to sing. You know, the truth that's held in that simple song. Right? The truth that Jesus loves me. I mean, the song that we just sang a moment ago, that I am a child of God, right? If you know anything, hold on to those two things, right? I am a child of God, right? Jesus loves me, right? That idea that I'm a child of God actually comes straight from Scripture, right? In fact, one of my favorite ones there, Romans 8, right? I want to share that, Romans 8, uh, sorry, in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is with that spirit bearing witness, with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified in him. I love the fact we've been singing that song for the past year, right? To stand up and to shout out that I am a child of God. Right? That's a powerful statement, right? I am a child of God, right? I am a child of God right now, right? I, It's not that I could be a child of God or maybe someday I'll get to be a child of God if I do the right things and walk the right path. It's not dependent on where I've come from or what I've done up until this point. Right Right there it shows you that I am a child of God. You are a child of God right now where you are in your life. A child of God. You've been a child of God since the day you were born. You'll be a child of God on the day you pass on from this earth. Nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to separate you from him your Father, Abba. But if you called that last passage part that Paul was writing to the Romans about being a child of God, he talks about also being an heir then to the kingdom. That's pretty exciting too, right? I mean, don't have much of an inheritance coming. You know, preacher's son and all. And that's fine. Never expected, never wanted it. One thing I have can be take comfort in right there is that there's a great inheritance awaiting for me but there's a big if in that part as well right if you're children of god then you're also heirs heirs equal to jesus by the way as paul shares with the romans here joint heirs with christ joint heirs with the kingdom if in fact we suffer with him him being jesus then we may also be glorified in Him. See? See, while we're all children of God, and I believe that and cry it out, right? in order to be an heir of God, then we need to suffer as Jesus suffered, to walk the path that Jesus passed. That's actually what we're called to do as Christians. Right? Trying to figure out how we gain that inheritance. Well, actually there's nothing you can do to gain it anyway, but what we should be focused on, what we should be trying to do, is to do what Jesus did to do what Jesus did and Jesus called us and told us one very simple thing you want to live like me you want to be a joint heir to my father's kingdom then you got to do simple thing right in John 13 34 Jesus lays out that simple commandment right? you want to follow like me you want to be an heir a joint heir to my father's kingdom then I get, tell you what you got to do simple Love one another. This was that message I brought again and sharing from John there three and a half years ago. That our goal, our job, is to love one another. How? Just as Jesus has loved you. Just as Jesus has loved you, so are we to love one another and take care of one another. And that's it, right? That's all we got to do. It's not hard, Right? Yeah, it is. It's extremely hard. Probably the hardest thing we're ever called to do is to love one another as Jesus loved us. I mean, we could think about how Jesus loved us, we have a whole New Testament full of stories of God's love through His Son, what Jesus had did, right? How He was able to sacrifice for those around Him. See, trying to figure out how to love one another is not a simple thing. In fact, we'll probably spend all of our lifetimes trying to figure out exactly how to do that. How to love all those that we come in contact with. But the great part is that Jesus actually never expected us to do it by ourselves. He actually didn't want us to try to figure this out by ourselves. Never even crossed his mind, right? Because he told us, well, don't worry about it. Because what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to build a church i like you to, be to build a church. In fact, he's told Peter, right? Told Peter to build a church on one foundation. On the foundation that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? No, but one of the things I've learned here at Cornerstone is a little ancient Greek. Jason's good at that. Because Jesus actually didn't tell Peter to build a church, did he? If you remember back to the lessons that we've been learning over the past few years, Jesus told Peter to build an ecclesia. Right? An ecclesia. Right? He told Peter that what you all need to do is go out and build a community. A community that is founded on the fact that I am the Son of God and that through me all shall inherit his kingdom. Right? That's what we were charged to do. Jesus didn't want us to try to figure this out by ourselves. He wanted us to come together as a community. As a community to support one another. He recognized that we needed the support of one another if we're going to survive on this planet, on this physical existence with all of its shortcomings and limitations that it holds. We're going to need one another. In fact, it's sort of that idea, right, that I shared, you know, as we think about Cornerstone, right? I shared this in my second message, actually, building on this idea. Well, we know we're supposed to love one another. And if we're going to do that in our church, right, and we appreciate that our church actually shouldn't be our church. Our church should be an ecclesia, is what Jesus originally said it to be. Then what we're trying to do is not build a building or create some type of rigorous, formal structure what we're trying to do is to create a community of christ right? just think about how that changes the framework about what we're trying to do here at cornerstone right? trying to build a community right? that's a little bit harder of a thing than to just build a building i would have rather just build a building right a few cubits by this many cubits and we could get that temple right right we got directions in the old testament Building community is a lot harder, though. Because building community, a community founded with Jesus as the cornerstone, is going to require that, well, we follow Jesus' teaching. It requires us that when we stumble across a random woman at a well, in the middle of the day, who looks nothing like us, In fact, we've been raised to think that maybe we shouldn't even be talking to this Samaritan woman. Well, that we sit down beside her and we listen. We don't tell her what she's doing wrong, right? We don't tell her what we would do in her shoes. We listen. We meet her where she is There's so many stories about how to build a community because we have the perfect example of how to interact with one another as Jesus has already told us what to do. We just got to love one another. Right? We have to love one another in community. Right? Don't do it alone. It's actually this idea of community that I want to you know, think a little bit more about. Because I think it's this idea of community that we really need to be putting our focus and our energy in here at Cornerstone. What I encourage you to do is be thinking about what it means to be a community of Christ. And this is not an easy thing for us to understand today, because I think we are continuing to get further and further away from this idea of living in community. A good example of that, well, it's graduation season. That's exciting. We said, you know, we just celebrate all the high school graduations this weekend. Colleges are graduating. We're sending kids off into the world, right? I like graduation. Now, someone in academics, you probably think I've been to a lot of graduations, and I actually haven't. I probably should have been to more, right? But I always enjoy watching graduation, listening to graduation speeches, right? Thinking about that great, you know, sending folks out in the world, all that studying and preparing and going out to do great things, Right? The world is in front of you, the world your oyster. Oh the thing places you'll go. That's a graduation favorite, right? This Susian view of what one can do when one is free of all ties and commitments to journey for oneself. Through struggle and self perseverance, you can move mountains. You All by yourself. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. That's the message that we send out. What you can do. I heard a commentary recently, and it's sort of to ring true. We're becoming a very individualized society if you think back and reflect on the joys in your life and the successes that you found that really truly fill your heart, at least I know in my experience, this actually hasn't been just about me. Right? How you've been able to get to where you are today is probably not just because of you. Right? It's probably because you've been supported by community, right? by family and friends who have encouraged you. Right? When you've fallen flat on your face, and those who've been there to pick you up and to lift you up. Right? A shoulder that you've been able to cry on. Right? But we live in a world today where we focus on you as the individual. That you, by yourself, if you work hard enough, that you will be able to get you to where you want to be. Now, before you go out on me, right? don't get me wrong. I think individuality is extremely important. We need individuality. We need our individual selves. Cornerstone would not be what it is without every single individual in here. We need individuals who can teach, who can read. We need individuals who can cook. We need individuals who can plan and who can organize. And can organize. We need those. We need individuals who can sing. We need individuals who send a little note out the people who just start coming to Cornerstone. See, we need all those individuals in order to have a community. The individual is extremely important. We spent a lot of the first part of this year on Wednesday nights thinking about what makes us individuals, right? As we studied and trying to go deeper into who we are made to be. I think the individual is extremely important and we need to work on the individual. But that work should not be done by ourselves. We shouldn't be trying to refine and create our perfect selves and relying on no one else. Jesus never expected us to be. If we're to call ourselves Christians, then we need to call ourselves into that community. And folks, I'll be honest, you're not going to build a community just by getting together two hours a week either. That's not enough. I try and tell my students that. You're not going to learn biology by coming together to class for two hours a week. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Community is going to take a lot more work than that. Community is going to take us reaching out to one another, right? sharing our struggles and our successes, right? making time for each other, right? this community that we're trying to build, supporting people who have just found faith, supporting people who have been holding on to it for a long time. Right? I don't think there's any point in which you've got this Christian life figured out. Because I think we all have seasons in which we come and go. But what we're trying to do here, if we're trying to build a community, we have to appreciate that we really are pushing against a community or pushing against a world of individual performance. This idea of a meritocracy where, you know, individuals, you can work hard enough and you'll get there by yourself. I think we fall short If we think that's all there is to it, I think that we are called to so much more. I think that's what Jesus meant when he wanted to build up that cornerstone, that community around his life and his teachings there. We live in a world where we have social media. And I know every once in a while I'll tell you to check in on Facebook and log into these things and send out tweets. And I'll be honest, I don't know if these are the best things we should be doing, right? Because a lot of times, even though we want to use it in that moment for good, there's a lot out there that we focus on things that aren't good. That these are gateways in which by going through, we get exposed to that individual thing, We've created technologies where now we filter out all the bad. It's easy. You don't like it, hit a button. you don't have to see it, right? You don't think that way, that's fine, Because we have algorithms that will keep you from having to hear that stuff anyway. You don't like the way you look, that's fine, Hit a button and now you're perfect. Right? <laughs> it's easy. Right? But what we're doing is we're creating a false impression of who we are, a false impression of how we're going to get to where we are called to be. of that. We need to be at least aware of it and think about what we are doing in the context of the world we live in. We need to think about the messages we send with our words and with our actions. We need to think about what we do outside of these four walls and how we are engaging to build that community of Christ. You know, Jesus told the disciples exactly what they needed to do. He said, do this, love one another just as I loved you. Now, what's interesting is Jesus actually was sharing this to the disciples, at least as it's told in John, around the time that he was trying to prepare them because he was leaving. He knew that the end was coming close and he was going to be moving on. And he wanted to make sure that they had a little bit of a foundation, right? Not a little bit, right? All they basically needed. Love one another just as I have loved you. He didn't stop there, though. And I wanted to focus because he continued on saying this in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, we can create a community, and that's actually, right, while it requires some work, there's a lot of communities in this world that you can get engaged with, right? But if we're going to create a Christian community, a community that's founded on the cornerstone of Christ, well, how do you know it when you've done it, right? How would somebody looking in know that this is truly a community of Christ? What it's the telltale sign Jesus tells you? What are you going to look for? They will know we are Christians by our love. That's something I've been thinking a lot about as I go out and preparing for entering into a new community. As I interact with people I've never met before. Will they know that I'm a Christian? Not because of a big t-shirt that I wear or a fish sticker on the back of my car, right? I don't do either of those, right? That's just me, right? A little bit more low-key. But what I hope that through my interactions, I hope and I pray that through God's grace, that they will see his love shining through my life. See, we don't have to yell it and shout it out at people, right? In fact, oftentimes that does one simple thing. Cause them to turn around and run away, Right? Many people have been burned by quote-unquote Christians. You look at the news and you want to look about Christianity and you're not going to feel very good about what you call yourself to be because there's a lot of things that have been done in the name of Christ that have been not done Christ-like. God shows us exactly what Christ-like is. And if you want to know it when you see it, if you want to know a good community when you see it, You'll know it by their love. Jesus told them this is be the token that people will recognize. Right? First century Christians got it. They were renowned, these weird loving people. Right? Because this idea of loving others more than yourself, right? not worrying about your own success, but worrying more about your neighbor's comfort and feelings, was completely revolutionary. This idea of what Jesus was sent to share was a revolutionary idea, and I think it still is today, 2,000 years later. Because I think we're still working to figure it out because it's not easy to do. Loving one another is hard. As Ken Sawyer shared Wednesday, we're going to all think about the world very differently. I think that's awesome. But we want to hold on to one simple thing. That God sent his son into this world to show us how to live. And he did just that. And we got plenty of examples of how to live our life. He loved his God, his father, and trusted in his father so much that he gave up his own life. Not in a simple way. Not quietly. But through death on a cross. Because he trusted his God enough to know that that was not the end. That there was more to it than that. And God fulfilled that promise on the third day because on the third day, Jesus rose. And it's that resurrection in which the truth we hold on to, which makes it all all fulfilled. Why should we bother loving one another? Well, you can go with the because God told you so, right? And parents, you know how that works, right? I told you so. That's why you should do it. Of course they're going to do it. No. Right. I know I should love you because I know that every time when I do, I know how I feel. Right? This is a serving church. I want to increase and in hope that continues and to build and to find new ways to truly serve on a regular basis. You know, Doug's always great at sharing with us and encouraging us in this area of service and getting out to others, Because it's not just about what you're doing for somebody else. It's about what actually it turns out you get in return. And again, I hope that's not your incentive for doing it. But I think you'll find that it'll make it easier the next time you see an opportunity to do just that. They will know we are Christians by our love. Jesus didn't say they're going to know you're Christians because they're going to be scared to death, right? He didn't say that. He didn't say instill the fear of God in them. He didn't say worry about burning in the afterlife. He said they will know you are Christians by your love, right? That's what you're called to do. He didn't say they'll know you're Christians because you built the biggest walls and you've separated yourself off from the world And you don't have to worry about interacting with anybody but yourselves. Don't engage with people who are different than you, who think differently than you. He didn't say that. He said they will know you are Christians, that you are followers of me by your love for everyone you come in contact with. That's what we are called to do. That is not easy. It requires constant effort. You know, in biology, we have an understanding about life. We're trying to think about what makes something alive versus not alive. And one of the requirements of life is that life requires energy. I think that's true about our eternal life as well. In order to do this thing that I've been talking about, is going to require a whole lot of energy, and maybe you're feeling a lot tired right now. Maybe not. But we're going to have to work at it, right? If it didn't require work, if it didn't require energy, then it wouldn't be life. Because right? that's what life is. Life requires energy. If there's not energy putting in, you're not going to find life. You're not going to find what we're called to be. What we're called to be right, is who we already are. We already are children of God. Now we just have to live like it. We have to accept it, believe it, know it true, and go out to the world and love one another. Jesus' disciples picked up on this pretty well. In fact, shared some ways that we can do it in their different writings. Right? Like this one from 1 Peter. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another. Right, There's our call to service. Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. If you have a gift to teach children, teach children. Man or woman. If you have a gift to read the gospel, read the gospel. Share the good news, man or woman. We are called to do, serve one another, to humble ourselves, and to give back to those around us. We need this community because what we're trying to do, if we're going to do this thing called being a Christian, it's going to be hard. But, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. As we gather in our community, let's think about how I can get you to be good. Right? How you can help provoke me to love those that are truly hard to love. And trust me, I have a lot of hard times sometimes. Right? Even those that mean a lot to me. Right? Not always easy to love. Right? But Jesus didn't expect me to have to do it by myself. He expected that I could find a community of Christians to encourage and provoke me to challenge and to raise the bar of expectations to one that is higher than myself and anything that I could put together for my own dreams and wishes. They will know we are Christians by our love. When I was a kid in elementary school every summer, this is summertime and thinking about this, we would go away to Camp Johnsonburg in New Jersey, right? That's what my parents would send the boys, me and my two brothers, older brothers, off to camp for a week, sleepaway camp. Maybe they did it because it was a Presbyterian camp and we're a Presbyterian minister and maybe we got a deal, I don't know. Maybe they're just hoping we get to instill and learn a little bit more about God and join the outdoors. Maybe they just want the to house to themselves for a week. I don't know. I am just thinking it was a little bit of all those things. We come together for a week of camp, you know, and camp's a great thing. I loved it. Right? Get to be outside swimming, boating, singing songs around the campfire. Right? It was a church camp, a Christian camp, and so we'd get to share and lift each other up and learn a little bit about what God has for us. I didn't know anybody at the start of every week, and every week I made new friends. I didn't know anybody at the start, but at the end of every week I made new friends. Every meal we'd share in a big giant cafeteria, you know, hundreds of kids. And At the end of that week, every year for, I don't know, the six or so years it went, every year the last thing we did after breakfast, because we'd be picked up after breakfast on that last day, we'd all sing a song. And I'm going to share the lyrics of that song here today because it, it's just this. It's a reminder of what we are called to do if we're going to call ourselves Christians if we want the world to look at us differently than they look at anyone else then when they look at us they should see one and only thing and that is the love of Christ being reflected right back at them and if that's not being done then we're not doing it right and if you're not doing it right then you just need to find a community of folks to help guide you as I have found a community of folks here To help guide me and my family. You may have heard this before. But I want to remind you that we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, and we are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity will one day be restored. For they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians. By our love. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. For they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard each one's dignity and we'll save each one's pride. For they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. All praise to the Father, for whom all things come. All praise to Christ Jesus, his only Son. And I'll praise to the Spirit who makes us one. For they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. I love each of you. Every single one. And I felt the love of Christ here at Cornerstone. I'm so excited to get to take that love out into this world. I'm so excited to know that that love exists here in Thomasville and that we're going to fan those flames because Kathy's got a fan. We're going to fan those flames and we're going to do it by his love. We don't have to be a giant church. We don't have to have a thousand people fill a hall. All we have to do is love one another as Jesus loved us, and they will know we are Christians by our love.